This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. Figuring out your fans, it's a goal. One, uh, you know, one spot from which we can really understand uh, and access uh, that view of the fan. And, uh, and then from there, it doesn't just start stop there. Our platform allows sort of a single point uh, from which we can then uh, go and activate fans. Um, That's Vince Urcandia, CEO of Stellar Algo, who's helping teams find ways to interact with their fans with modern technology. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. We'll hear from Vince Candia in a few, but let's start with a recent revelation that came from Business Insider, who uncovered an uncomfortable truth about the most recent Major League Baseball season. The balls used in the games weren't uniform. And while the fans certainly didn't know that, it appears the players and managers didn't either. This unusual story piqued our interest. And Bradford Davis authored the report for Business Insider on the use of multiple baseballs during the baseball season without the knowledge of the players last year. Hey, Bradford, how are you? I'm doing well. It's cold in New York, but... uh yeah we're a little ways away from baseball season with the weather but your report was surprising um can can you just start with how did you guys come to the conclusion that multiple baseballs were being used during the season i mean it all starts with dr meredith wills he is the uh astrophysicist phd that has been studying uh, uh changes to the base to uh maybe baseball's official ball properties years now uh she already got a uh, hint of this that uh in a study of the 2020 season that was released uh in sports illustrated i think february of all the season later he just found uh a much larger sample <laughs> of this breakdown uh validated both by uh weight you know the center weight which is a this way to especially describe it is the corking rubber pill wrapped it in yarn that's inside the leather, the kind of thing that you would never look at unless you are, you know, crazy baseball people like ourselves. <laughs> and uh, by weighing the center weight, she found that they were, you know, systematically divided into separate groups of like, you know, lighter and heavier. Um, and then um, uh, it was further validated by the bat codes, which, you know, we go into the article where there's you know, six or seven lighter codes that correspond with uh, production dates from rolling. And so she was able to see that, like, say, the lighter ball was used in these leads, the heavier ball was used in these leads, and the lighter in these leads, and so forth. And so, um, and, you know, so rather, so the reason why that is particularly important is because maybe in baseball has uh, regularly attributed uh, differences in the baseball to uh, simple manufacturing errors. 
um, or, or not even manufacturing errors, rather, but the, but the, na- the natural handmade maple uh, producing, you know, variants in that level. And that is likely true in a lot of the circumstances, but it wasn't true in this time, you know. These were clearly intentional uh, things that are going on. And so when we present that, that the findings made a baseball day, it made it to the public anyway that uh, they were, in fact, using fusion baseball. Why in the world would they not at least tell the players that this was happening, if not tell the public as well, knowing that if this gets found out, what kind of controversy it would bring up? You know, uh, I'm, I'm perplexed too. Um, first of all, we did, uh, to be fair to Navy Baseball, they did say that they informed the uh, players union and their, and their uh, scientific experts who had been advising them on this, that they were going to be using to involved. Um, however, they, uh, I can't define a single player both before they sent me that statement and after who had any knowledge of such. So maybe he got lost in Tony Clark's spam. Yeah, Tony Clark being the president of the MLBPA, um, you know, that, that notice. But, uh, otherwise, uh, it just, it just seems unlikely given, you know, how that information everyone, everyone clearly wants to know, right? Um, and as far as the scientific expert stuff, I mean, I spoke to, um, uh, or we got, as I say, Dr. Alan Nathan, who is the chair of their uh, uh, MLB's home run committee, or home run commission, that that was studying um, recent changes in how the ball flight was, you know, was working in, in recent seasons. You know, you're in the so-called juice ball era right now, where balls have been, you know, um, home runs have been hit at a higher clip, you know, in the last few years than kind of ever. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, Alan Nathan was chair of that, and he's also a physicist in his own right, and uh, he, when, yeah, when I reached out to him, he, he said, I prefer to leave the com- any comment to the baseball uh, about the baseball to MLB or Rawlings, uh, which is not exactly the kind of uh, strong vote in confidence <laughs> of, uh, you know, being deeply informed, at least in my opinion. It, I don't know. It makes no sense. I mean, for, for all these years, they get criticized for juice balls or different balls. And I think everyone could understand if it is simple as there were some supply chain issues because of the pandemic, that the uniformity was going to be at issue here, but they're doing their best. I think it just would have been better to be out out front of it, to read your piece now, especially if I'm one of the players who knows that the statistics has everything to do with what my contract is going to look like next time around. It, It just feels like a huge unforced miss by Major League Baseball. Right. I think it's also important to clarify the whole uh, supply chain pandemic-related uh, defense of this. Because that is something that Major Baseball also said in the statement to me, the insider, um, was that uh, they, that the COVID-19 pandemic had uh, forced them to use a uh, backfill the 2021, you know, baseball with uh, baseball season for earlier seasons. Um, I, you know, that does not hold any sort of scrutiny, you know, hold up any sort of uh, muster when you need to scrutinize it, right? Um, they were producing the old design of their baseball as recently as August of this year. You know, um, that, you know, why why continue to manufacture an old baseball, one that they had at least claimed they were moving away from earlier this season, I think February, when they had, you know, reset all the teams explaining, you know, this new rider baseball that they believe was going to be a better, you know, better fit for what they wanted to achieve with, you know, with, uh, I guess, the offensive environment, um, or at least, you know, how the ball performs. Um, but yeah, they, they, they claimed they had this, this new lighter ball, and that, that was true, but they kept on not just using older balls, 
put manufacturing older, the older design baseball in 2021 as recently as August, and those balls in August were found in you know in September on the field play. So, all right. So here comes the big question. Then, um, did you do any research to try to figure out where the differentiated was uh, balls were taking place, and if there was a reason why those specific ones were being used in those matchups? Yeah, I mean, part of, one of the troubles in Italy is that, like, the scope of Doctor Wilson's research really can't answer the question of like. Uh, to that extent, because just you know, it's a few hundred balls out of like you know many hundreds of thousands that are used throughout the year, um, and so uh, you know we got, we got to be humble about that, right? That being said, um, I do want to point out some of the subsequent research that's come out, you know, in in, uh, in recent um, or observations anyway, you know, since the article came out. One is from uh, Derek Alvin, who's a contributor, but also like for the uh, excellent uh, views from a uh, 314 feet Yankees uh, blog, and he tried to do a team-based analysis using the premise that was proven by the league, you know, or other, you know, confessed by the league that there were two baseballs to see if, like, you know, the Yankees were impacting any sort of way. And he found that um, are using StatCast data for this one. A familiar StatCast is like this uh, publicly available anal- you know, um, analytics site that maybe baseball has that produces, like, you know, uh, information about how hard the ball is hit, you know, the optimal launch angle that the ball travels from, you know, when the bat is swung, that produces like doubles and home runs and things like that, and uh, and what you should kind of expect to be a home run based on how hard it's hit and, and, and at the angle it's hit. So anyway, with that, with that uh, with, uh, explanation, he found that in controlling for quality of contact, Yankees hitters tended to perform um, much better on the road than they did at home. Huh. Uh, meaning that the balls were traveling further on the road than they were at home. That, to him, was at least, you know, a potential indicator that, you know, say the Yankees had a disproportionate amount of baseballs. Again, I can't validate that, and there are other variables, including weather and so forth, you know. Um, but it is, you know, but it's, just, it's, it's one of a few sorts of independent, like, looks um, at, at uh, trying to stuff out the signal from the noise when it comes to, you know, where the baseballs are being sent and why they're being, you know, um, and then you're able to find out where you, you know, perhaps you can also make inferences as to why um, that uh, that are going on right now, and something I'm, I'm certainly uh, intriguing, curious about myself. Yeah, and I guess we'll have to see next year. And now that you guys are onto them, I assume that they're either going to be more upfront or more careful about. I don't even know if you can be more careful about this, but to try to figure out a way to be, I think, just more honest about it. I think that's probably the, the end result, right? That they're just going to be more honest about it. I mean, you would think, but you'd also think that they weren't used to baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, logic kind of goes like, like I, I've been saying this, you know, as I've had a few interviews, like, this is a silly story. It's like ridiculous and dumb, but it's also like true. Yeah. <laughs> all those things, you know, all the things happening at once. I mean, it's, uh, it's so, uh, I, I feel like, like logic and sort of like, you know, Moral scruples to you know um, uh, just pragmatism seems to like go out the window. You know when you hear that the league is using two balls and the reason and the uh, lack of sort of defense for you know said usage. I mean it's it's just like there's a cookie out of the cookie jar. I know someone took it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's crazy. All right. 
Well, here's where we are. Bradford Davis uh, uh, broke this story for Business Insider. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Up next, Vince Urcandia of Stellar Algo on finding the touch points of the new fan. This is the Future Sport Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our guest this week is Vince Urcandia, who's the founder and the CEO of Stellar Algo, which is a customer cloud platform for sports and entertainment, and it serves live audience organizations in North America and Europe, and just closed a Series A round of funding, and they're growing. Hey, Vince, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Graham. I appreciate it. All right, that's a lot of word soup. Um, Why don't you tell everybody what your company does? Yeah, for sure. That, that was one of my goals for today is make sure I leave with uh, everyone having a clear understanding of, uh, of what we do. Um, yeah, and, and really, I think, uh, you know, our, our vision uh, has continued to grow and get stronger uh, as we've shown value. But, um, you know, essentially what we're doing uh, is, you know, the, 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 the fan is changing very rapidly. Uh, you know, we're all we're all seeing and, and feeling that uh, as uh, sports and live entertainment people. Uh, and uh, it's, it's getting harder, frankly, to understand those fans. If it, if it wasn't difficult already, uh, it's become more challenging. And uh, so really what we, we do is we have a, a platform and a team uh, that's allowing our, our customers to uh, assemble all of these touch points uh, that a, a fan has with a business, uh, bring them together uh, so that there's one, uh, you know, one spot from which we can really understand uh, and access uh, that view of the fan. And, uh, and then from there, it doesn't just start, stop there. Our platform allows sort of a single point, uh, from which we can then, uh, go and activate fans. Um, so, uh, bring the data points together, uh, go and, and push a message to a fan, uh, through, through an appropriate channel, uh, and then measure the, the out, output of that. Um, and so understanding the right places to reach fans, um, are we getting the right messages out to the right fans, uh, at the right time? Uh, to grow their fandom. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's sort of at the core of what we do. Uh, and you know, one of the ways we really talk about it is, you know, we're seeing a lot of our, our customers uh, look to migrate from businesses that, uh, you know, sell events. Uh, so going from an event sales business to one that now operates 365 degrees of the year, uh, thinks of their audiences or their fans uh, as really an, an asset uh, that they're looking to uh, build you know, trusted long-term relationships uh, with that are, are valuable. Um, and our, our tools are really uh, now today at the, at the core of any marketing effort 
um, for our customers uh, looking to sort of grow lifelong valuable fans. So can you give me an example of, of what you're talking about, yeah. of how you connect fans to, I assume, brands or opportunity through the team to connect with them. Can you be a little specific about what you do? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, we, we now have over uh, 85 uh, you know, major customers that, that we're working with um, today. Uh, and our use cases have really grown. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, I, I think about, um, you know, some of our, our customers right now, you know, I could, uh, I would use somebody, uh, you know, let's use somebody like the, the Los Angeles Kings. Um, you know, they've got fans back in the building, um, but how ready are fans to, uh, you know, to, to come back um, and uh, to come, to come back to live sports uh, uh, in person. And uh, so our platform, um, you know, allows them to you know, help segment those audiences um, so that they can really identify uh, you know, who, which fans might be ready to come back today, which fans, you know, might, might still be observing at home, um, but we can get them to go ahead and uh, follow the team in a different way um, or, or monetize them in a new way. Um, and so we've had cases where, you know, we're actually the, the number of data points on our fan base have grown so much that uh, with these data points we're collecting, we've seen audiences grow by as much as 40%. Um, so, uh, you know, the fan base we used to know about now that's, interacting with us uh, so much more digitally, they've grown by 40%. Um, and, uh, and conversion rates growing from somewhere you know, between 10 to 20% uh, when you think about some of the different uh, points with which they're interacting with us. So you know, that, that would be one example. You know, we, we just released another really interesting case study. We're seeing more of this um, where you know, it's not just about ticket sales, but you know, even the brand partners uh, that, uh, that some of our, our teams are working with uh, they're trying to activate those brand partners more intelligently. Um, you know, still awareness-based signage is important, uh, but uh, you have somebody like you know Toyota with the Canucks uh, that uh, is trying to reach uh, reach people uh, that want to buy a Toyota Corolla, um, and not buy a different vehicle, but specifically um, you know Toyota Corollas. Uh, and you know, we're using our technology to look through the data points and say. Um, here's the fans that we think would actually be highly likely uh, to be interested in this, you know, this great value-added offer for a fan, uh, for our fans to, to to purchase a Corolla. And um, you know, over an audience of millions of fans, we found 20,000 people, a really strong targeted audience, huh. you know, of which we had um, 2,700 say, "Yeah, please have uh, actually a dealer contact me because I want to." I'm very interested in this, and so. Yeah, that, that, those are the usages for data that, you know, it, you quickly can result in millions of dollars worth of, um, you know, uh, value uh, and return on investment uh, if you're if you're thinking broadly about that fan base and, and how to activate it. Uh, I want to go back to something you initially said, which is the fan is changing or has changed. Um, what did you mean by that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the last couple of years, it's really, uh, it has really accelerated this. Um, you know, we uh, we're seeing the fan. Um, you know, I'd say it, it, the fan bases are changing in a number of ways. So, uh, you know, much more digital in terms of their engagement. Uh, so, you see, um, you know, you see channels like um, e-commerce, uh, you know, really taking off uh, at a rate that they weren't uh, pre-pandemic. Um, and then you see other channels like you know where the the cable bundle is is breaking down to a certain extent. So, a lot more. Uh, 
folks that are not consuming and watching sports through linear television anymore. Uh, they're looking to stream uh, stream events. Uh, so you know, that becomes another channel where you've got to build an audience um, and there's an opportunity to, to capture their attention and monetize them. Uh, that didn't exist before. Uh, and then and then new demographic groups. So there's a couple examples on the digital side, but then new demographic groups as well. You know, we do see, uh, you know, younger people that are, are consuming content in different ways. Um, you know, they're not buying, you know, necessarily buying ticket packages in the way that they used to. They, they like to view uh, content that's, you know, much more short form. Um, and I think just understanding that and making sure it's easy to um, segment those fans into a group and, you know, speak to them in a language that they, uh, they're going to be interested to consume it, engage more, um, you know, uh, fans are expecting a level of personalization now that they didn't used to. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, to the extent where, you know, I, I really feel that everybody has some ex- expectation of personalization today uh, with the messaging that they're receiving. And um, and it's uh, an opportunity for the industry, frankly, because I still think that we're in our infancy in terms of our ability to go and activate um, you know, the right uh, fans with those right messages. In some of the others that we've talked to in learning about their fans, uh, to your point about how you communicate with them is changing. It's different. They're, they're consuming content differently. What we're not finding is that this is ubiquitous across all of sports. Like in one market, Facebook could still be very popular. In another market, TikTok could be extremely popular. Are, are you seeing this as well, that this isn't kind of a very broad brush that can be kind of taken in by all teams that they all still have to kind of know their regions. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, definitely. Like, it, you know, it is, it is different, um, you know, market to market. Um, you know, we, we actually, um, we work with a couple of uh, major sports leagues directly. Um, so we see a lot of market data now. Um, we've actually got data on um, now we're, we're over 160 million uh, unique fans uh, that we have uh, data on, um, and we have 40 billion interaction points on them. Um, so uh, basically, we have a lot of data on on fans, uh, you know, more, more than anybody. And uh, so, yeah, we, we do see differences market to market. Um, we see from a demographic standpoint, um, we, we see all sorts of different uh, different segments, um, and um, they, they do cut across a whole bunch of different lines. Uh, so. Yeah, the, the, the channels with which fans are, are consuming content are, are evolving. Um, there is a generational aspect to it, uh, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and, and I do think that uh, those differences are, 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 uh, are different when you're dealing with it in different parts of the country um, or different parts of the world. And so you know, that's really where we, we step in. And you know, there isn't a one-size solution that fits all. But if you have the data, uh, you are able to start to tease out some of those insights. Um, the more that you can automate them uh, in a world where, uh, you know, we just don't have time for, you know, a ton of manual analysis. Uh, you know, if we can put some of those insights at the fingertips of our customers, um, it, it's really, uh, you know, that automation, I'd say, is a big part of where we're adding a lot of value um, is, in, is in resulting sort of a piecemeal approach to, um, you know, to identifying the differences and the different patterns in, in these fan bases. Um, so, you know, the easy, an- the, the easy answer is all these channels are important. Um, and if you want to get a, a, a full view of your fans, um, and, and, you know, it is a real mosaic of, of, of different types of fans. So you've got to pull in this information um, and you've got to put it in a position where uh, it's no longer just, 
you know, living in a, a SQL database where some analyst can, can access it, um, you know, even those analysts now really want that data to get out in front of uh, the business decision makers. Um, ultimately, so that they can create a better fan experience. Tell me a little bit about the Series A funding and what that does for your company moving forward. Yeah, it, it, it you know it's it, it's massive to be honest. Um, for us, we you know we drone to this eighty-five customer level uh, with only two and a half million dollars raised to date. Uh, to put it in perspective, uh, so you know this is a, a sixteen and a half million dollar round for us. Um, so re- it's really going to just accelerate our product roadmap. Uh, very swiftly, um, you know, and, and to put it simply, our our mission is really to make it easier uh, to connect with the world's most passionate audiences. Um, it, it isn't easy today, uh, you know, the data points, the systems that are used in order to interpret and activate those fans. Uh, it's just so piecemeal, um, and so we've got a ton of work to do, uh, as does the industry, uh, and we want to continue to lead in the way in that. So. We're going to be, you know, spending spending more money than anybody uh, in really making it possible to orchestrate those personal interactions with fan bases. Um, so, so that's uh, you know that's the broad stroke I, um, you know, sort of uh, talking point on it. Uh, you know, more granularly, um, it is more investment directly into our platform, but it is uh, it is really doubling down on some of those new use cases. So I mentioned that uh, brand use case that we drove with uh, Toyota and the Canucks. Uh, we want to do more of that. Um, we want to find new, uh, help find new ways to, to monetize those fans um, to the benefit of the live audience businesses themselves, uh, as well as uh, for the fans and, and for their partners. Um, so we think that we can really uh, meet the needs of all those stakeholders uh, with this capital. Uh, we are, um, you know, we're going to be expanding our presence, uh, physical presence into the U.S. Um, with uh, with offices in the U.S. and then Europe. Uh, those are those are are, are on our our plan uh, for the Series A round as well. Um, we doubled our staff actually over the course of the last 12 months, and um, we think we're going to be able to do that again. Uh, we've created a pretty great environment um, where we have uh, you know really passionate people uh, that uh, I'm really proud of that are delivering a ton of value um, and using some really exciting modern cutting edge methods um, to add value in the ecosystem, and so. Uh, we were going to keep, uh, yeah, keep finding that great talent that can add uh, add value for the benefit of the industry and our our customer base. Vince Urcandia is the founder and the CEO at Stellar Algo. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Brent. I appreciate you having me on. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best—it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. On the next Future Sport Podcast, 
framing your sport as a lifestyle. It's a pathway to growth. You know, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but we're up against, you know, free content. So, uh, so yeah, I think, you know, in, whether you bring it around with you or keep it on your coffee table, we wanted to have, like I said, aspirational. So the paper stock is really high. That's Richard Porter, who runs In Pickleball Magazine, a high-end publication that is part of the explosion in growth for the paddle tennis game. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.